Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I am Carmen LeBurge. Um, a bit of a conversation going on on the text line. Um, love for you to join in as well. Uh, Packers or Vikings this Sunday? Or maybe you have other commentary about teams you're rooting for. Um, one listener said, why doesn't Iowa have a professional football team? To which Paul Perot has noted Actually, there is um, the Super Bowl in Iowa going on this weekend between Iowa and Iowa State, right? Do I have that about right? Well, that's what I consider it. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. the state practically shuts down for this game. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It is huge. Mm-hmm. There you go. So um, people, are, um, people are giving me all kinds of input in terms of who I should root for and which side I should be on and why and what I should wear, and again, noting that those of you who have suggested that I wear beige or white or some other, you know, neutral color, yeah, you don't know me very well. I'm not neutral. I'm going to pick a side, and I am going to cheer my fool head off. And so there you go. And the Packers do have the cheese, and so I'm, I might be leaning in the direction of the cheese. There you go. If you would like to influence my decision, you can text in at 877-933-2484. Yes, for those of you asking, Tennessee does have a professional football team. I can't believe you even had to ask that question, but that's okay. All right, a few headlines of the day. We talked at length in hour one about the death of Britain's Queen Elizabeth II. And so I encourage you, if you just want to be um, encouraged on that front and have some equipping for the conversations of the day related to that, I will sum up what I said this way and then encourage you to go and listen to the podcast which you can find at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. That's also where the show notes are um, each and every day, the links to all the articles that we uh, discuss here. So here's my summary. The Queen of England is now with the King of Kings. That's my summary um, of, of everything related um, to the Queen's passing. It occurs to me that bells are tolling and landmarks uh, around the world are being... Um, lit up in all kinds of ways. Actually, the Eiffel Tower went dark in acknowledgement of her death. But um, in Brazil, the Christ the Redeemer statue statue was illuminated in um, red and blue and white in honor of the Queen in New York. The Empire State Building was lit up um, in royal purple with um, sparkly, uh, as if glittery white lights. Um, And so there are people honoring Um, her life and legacy in so many ways. And so it is going to be the conversation of the day and you might want to um, simply, you know, prepare yourself um, for it. Now I have a few um, headlines to share with you that are far less serious, but I thought as we enter into the weekend, sometimes it's good to have some far less serious things to talk about. So Kellogg's has um, introduced um, a new cereal. Um, They're called Instabowls. And um, they want us to either eat them dry um, 
or add water, add water and stir. So they have added milk powder, dehydrated milk, um, into the Instable so that you don't need milk anymore. You just need water. So let me warn you in advance, um, the Instable, the, the Kellogg's Instable now says, just add cold water and stir to create real milk. Now, actually, this is a pretty ingenious thing to be doing, but I just don't know if I could put milk on, I mean, if I could put water on my cereal. Um, something else to uh, to maybe um, have a conversation about this weekend. I, I really couldn't believe this when I read it. So Dancing with the Stars, you're probably familiar with. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that happens in our culture in an ongoing way. It's it's a little bit odd. Um, but I was stunned to to discover that they are they are now in their 31st season. How is that possible? I'm not that old for something this new to have already had 30 seasons. So seasons aren't what they used to be. I think that's the way we'll say it. Seasons um uh when we, when we talk about like a football season, it happens once a year, right? When you talk about a season of Dancing with the Stars, there are obviously lots of them every year um, because uh, otherwise there's no way you get to 31 seasons this quickly. Speaking of football, um, there is a jargon list, a glossary of terms out there. For those of you who maybe are not familiar with football, you can actually go to CNN.com and get this like briefing on football jargon that will at least help you sound smart about the NFL at the party that you might be attending um, in this opening weekend. There you go. There you go. Adam Holtz is going to join us next. Um, we like to talk with him every Friday about what's happening uh, on the big screen and, yes, on the little screens that we now hold in our hands for entertainment. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. from Focus on the Family's Plugged In, and he has some thoughts on the weekend shenanigans that will be taking place in Iowa on the gridiron. Adam, good morning. I, I do. So um, I, just very briefly, and this is pure indulgence. It's of no real importance to anybody except me. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was born in Ames, which is where Iowa State is, Mary Greeley Hospital, and my entire family on my dad's side went to Iowa State. So I grew up, we had season tickets. I grew up with Iowa shellacking Iowa State every year for my entire childhood, and I despised them. And then, just for kicks and giggles, I decided to go to the University of Iowa. So I became a Hawkeye. And so I'm a I'm a very unusual Iowan in that I have you know, sort of this deep sentimental interest in both teams for totally different reasons. Uh, although I always kind of like it when Iowa State beats Iowa because Iowa was kind of the big bully. I've never really completely shaken off my childhood. So anyway, greetings to all the Iowans out there. I'm in Colorado Springs now, but I will be paying attention to the game and seeing if I can find it somewhere 
on cable or streaming or something. So just wanted is to say there that. A, is there a football food, like something that you're like, you associate, your taste buds associate with either a tailgate party or halftime or like this is the football food for you? Oh, not really. I mean, hot dogs. Okay. It's always fun to get hot dogs mm-hmm. when you're at a professional sporting event. But it's not like when you go to the state fair or even a county fair as we have in the Midwest. And, you know, I always think of funnel cakes as, you know, the mm-hmm. state fair food, right? It's that's mm-hmm. the only place you ever get it. But football, not so much. So I grew up in, in Tampa and our county fair, the Hillsborough County Fair, was also the Strawberry Festival. And oh, wow. so this this family, I mean, I don't know why I remember this, but their name is Parks. And so they owned this place called Parksdale. And it was like the place in um, in Plant City, Florida, to get your strawberries. And they had like this huge building at the county fair. And you could get two things. You could either get, I mean, literally they were making them right there as you walked up, a strawberry uh-huh. shake. Um, uh-huh. with I mean, they're blending the, the strawberries right in. Or you could get a strawberry shortcake. And oh, so wow. sometimes people would go get a, a naked funnel cake and then bring it to the the strawberry barn and get the the fresh strawberry topping for the strawberry shortcake on their funnel cake. And that, that always seemed like a good combo. You know, I haven't had breakfast yet, but I'm feeling it. So we should probably talk about movies and stuff, huh? We should. We should. <laughs> movies and stuff. Movies and stuff. What a, what um, a great memory. Talk with us, um, talk with us about um, Eminem. I don't yeah. really know anything about Eminem, but it's not it's not a candy anymore. No, it's not a candy anymore. So Eminem is, I think, the biggest rapper of this millennium. Um, his name Eminem stands for Marshall Mathers. He is a rapper who grew up in a pretty hard scramble, hard scrabble environment in a rough area of a Detroit suburb uh, or Detroit proper. Um, and he has produced some of the foulest rap in the last 20 years that you can possibly imagine. And if I had to come up with a list of people that I felt like were least likely to ever say something positive about Jesus, Eminem would be like top five. I mean, it's just, he wouldn't, you know, it just they wouldn't come across each other, but... He appears to be having some kind of a Jesus moment. And, you know, with all of these things, you hold your breath. You wait and see. Is it one song? Is it um, is this something real that is going to have staying mm. power? So he has teamed up with, ironically or paradoxically or something L-Y, <laughs> uh, with DJ Khaled, who is a practicing Muslim, and with Kanye West, and is rapping about Jesus, whom he calls his savior, and saying some pretty interesting things uh, just about spiritual things. Um, So, you know, so my savior I call on to rescue me from these depths of despair. He is my shepherd. I'm armed with Jesus. My weapon is prayer. So it's more than just a generic shout out to God or even to Jesus. There seems to be some kind of a recognition of his spiritual need and uh, a spiritual awakening. And uh, he goes on to say, Bible at my side like a rifle with a God-given gift. Every single day I thank God for. That's why I pay so much homage, homage, 
praise to Jesus, I'll always, um, which is the syntax is weird in that. But again, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And so I think my thought is, I hope that it's not a flash in the pan. I hope that there's something really substantive stirring in his soul. I think like Kanye, you know, Kanye has these moments where he does and says incredible things about Jesus. And then he'll do or say something that just makes you kind of face palm a little bit, but he keeps coming back. Like, I think there's something to Kanye's faith and I'm hopeful that that's true of Eminem as well, because it would be a big deal. He, he is a person of extraordinary influence so this is a big deal. I mean, it, this would be like for this generation, you know, like Michael Jackson or Madonna or somebody, you know, to put it in context, if they had come to Christ during the 80s, that would be about the level we're talking about. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam, um, you and I got to take a very brief break. When we come back, you're going to fill me in on Peppa Pig. Something's <laughs> going on with Peppa Pig. That's up next oh, here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right. I am really appreciating um, all of your input on the text line this morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. For those of you just joining us, wow, there are some folks out there that are um, loving on Iowa and North Dakota saying things like, if Iowa got a professional football team, then Minnesota would want one. Same comment from people in North Dakota this morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. 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 I know. It's, uh, yeah. If you would like to uh, join in the conversation about uh, who I should root for on Sunday at my first Vikings Packers game like game party in real life, then uh, you can do so. 877-933-2484. So far, the best appeal is from someone who sent me something from Vince Lombardi about the Packers and, um, and you know, on the subject of faith. So there you go. So far, that's the great, the best argument um, for why I should root for the Pack. Um, what is going on, Adam Holtz, um, with Peppa, Peppa Pig? This seems utterly unbelievable. Well, the the fact is, it would be utterly unbelievable if it hadn't happened a whole bunch of times already on other similar shows. Peppa Pig is an animated British children's series that, I, you know, I think the target age for this is about four. I mean, by the time your kid gets to six or seven, they're probably aging out of Peppa Pig. You know, it's just... You know, it's an animated show about a cute little pig. And apparently for years now, um, there have been petitions demanding more LGBTQ representation on the show. And they finally caved in. And now there is a character named Penny. And she says, quote, I'm Penny Polar Bear. I live with my mommy and my other mommy. One mommy is a doctor and one mommy cooks spaghetti. I love spaghetti. And so we now have 
I, seriously, the, it feels like a Babylon Bee article, but it's not. Uh, we have a lesbian polar bear couple on Peppa Pig. Um, and it's just... Unnecessary. It's Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't run out of words very often. It's unnecessary. Yeah. The, the colonization of children's programming uh, by this ideology continues apace. And there's this desire for representation, but they don't want representation. They want, they want that message in every single thing that's produced. And this is a lobby that has a tremendous amount of influence. And so here's another show that many families who may have enjoyed Peppa Pig uh, may think, you know what, it's going the way of Arthur and so many others. We're crossing it off the list because it's now indoctrinating children on the LGBTQ agenda. And it's just, it's mind boggling. It's disappointing. It's frustrating, but it's the world we live in. And it's a reminder that even if we don't feel like we're ready, we've got to begin to having this conversation with our children because the culture at large is aggressively having it, whether we want to or not. Um, for equipping on this, um, you guys should go to pluggedin.com. You can you can learn like how to watch what is um, being offered to our kids and frankly to us as well. And then, you know, learn how to develop a biblical worldview in relationship to that and then talk through it. Um, none of us is is imagining, none of us are imagining that our kids are not going to be exposed to all of it. We need to prepare them um, yep. in terms of, of how they view it and how they receive it and how they filter first when they're watching. So um, yes. really, really helpful resources at PluggedIn.com. Um Okay, we have like 10 other things we could talk about today. I'm going to let you pick the next topic. Well, I'm just going to say the new Kendrick Brothers movie, Life Mark, which perhaps you have talked about already. We have uh, not, so talk with us. Life Mark by the Kendrick Brothers. um, It's in theaters starting today. It stars Kirk Cameron, and it is based on a true story about an 18-year-old boy named David who – decides uh, with his parents' encouragement that he wants to, he's adopted, and he decides he wants to reconnect with his birth mother. That's the the core of the story. But it really digs into sort of his insecurities and his identity issues in that process. And then we get the other side as well, which is her, the, the, birth, the birth mom's story, and how challenging it is for her, how much she wants to, to know her son, And at the end, we get a very strong pro-life message because we find out she was not only close to having an abortion, she was actually on the table getting ready for the procedure when she decided that she couldn't go through with it. Um, And so it's, it's really a lovely movie about adoption, and I think it's a movie that reminds us of the sanctity and the goodness of life uh, and, and sort of packs in that that pro-life message right at the end. It it actually caught me a little bit off guard. I wasn't really expecting it to go that way, um, but it's a powerful message. So that is Life Mark, and it is in theaters tonight, and you can find out more about that if you want to at PluggedIn.com, including we have a link at the bottom of the review uh, to the Fathom Events website where you can get tickets. So, But it's not just one night. It's showing for at least a week uh, and maybe more than that if the response is strong enough. 
awesome. Hey, Adam, thank you so much. Um, you guys can read other reviews and the Plugged In blog and tons of other stuff like what to watch on YouTube and things like that at PluggedIn.com. Adam, as always, thank you, my friend. You bet. We'll talk to you next week, Carmen. That sounds great. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for all of your input on the text line this morning, 877-933-2484, if you want to give me input of any kind. We'll be right back. All right, the news this morning um, in relationship to Russia's ongoing war in Ukraine. Um, it does appear as if Ukraine, Ukraine's counteroffensive, which is actively underway, has um, provided some significant gains against Russia on multiple fronts. Um, but the devastation across the country of Ukraine continues. Here are a few just uh, just high, highlights across the Chirons this morning. President Volodymyr Zelensky says Kiev has liberated more than a thousand square kilometers of territory um, in this month. They say they have regained ground in the Kharkiv region. Um, uh, they are talking about um, the nuclear um, situation at the Zaporizhia plant getting, quote, worse and worse and worse. That is according to Ukraine's nuclear chief. So that's not good news. Um, and um, distributing iodine tablets to people in the region in anticipation of significant uh, nuclear fallout um, should, um, should the protections uh, related to the cooling um, tanks fail. So just prayers all around in relationship to this. We thought it was important to um, continue to not only cover the stories coming out of Ukraine, but to do so uh, in conversation with people who've actually been there. So Kyle Duncan is joining us. He is the author of Hope for Ukraine, Stories of Grit and Grace from the Front Lines. Kyle actually uh, flew to Ukraine and spent time on the ground collecting these stories, and he's going to join us next to share them. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. Well, here's a conversation that you have been waiting for. Kyle Duncan is joining us. He's a 35-year publishing veteran, a New York Times best-selling ghostwriter. He's worked on all kinds of um, of literature uh, works of literature that you'd be very, very familiar with. Voice of the Martyrs, our friend uh, Gary Chapman, Toby Mack. I mean, on and on and on. Um, Kyle has a deep affection for Ukraine. We're going to talk about why, and we're going to talk about. His brand new book, Hope for Ukraine. These are the stories of grit and grace from the front lines. Kyle, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. So Ukraine is a heart place for you. Um, Talk about um, your family's connection to Ukraine. Right. So we go back, um, Carmen, to 2007, and even before that, when God led us to adopt from Ukraine. 
And that was, it's an amazing story in and of itself. And that my wife, um, we have three biological daughters. And at the time, our youngest was a baby. And my wife was putting her down, rocking her to sleep. And three nights in a row, she heard like a baby crying. And, And my wife is a prophetic person, but she's not the type of person who comes in the room and says, the Lord just spoke to me and said this, if, if you get my drift. And mm-hmm. it was, and and so on the third night, she finally said, okay, Lord, I, I don't hear, I don't see a baby, you know, but you're, you're trying to say something to me. And, and the Lord said, I want you guys to adopt. And I want you to adopt a little boy from Ukraine. It was very specific and very startling. And so that started a process for us of, you know, are we going to listen and obey or not obey? And, you know, we, we prayed about it and we felt confirmation. So it took about two years to finally get, you know, and I'm sure you you know people who have adopted internationally. It's quite a process. Um, so fast forward to July 2007, we land in Kiev, beautiful um, city, lovely city on the Dnieper River. Um, much happier days, of course, there at that time in Ukraine. And we, we make our way eventually down to the far southeastern corner of the country to the city of Mariupol. Mm-hmm. which is where we adopted our son, Corey. And at the time, he was six years old. Corey is now 21. And that's the, that's the quick overview of what, how and why, you know, we have and continue to have a vested interest in the beautiful country of Ukraine. So um, what is now several months ago, but still only several months ago, um, Russia invades Ukraine. And for the first time in many decades, there is very real war in Western Europe. Um, talk with us about when you went, why you went, how you went, what took you to Ukraine, um, the outcome of which are these just incredible stories that you bring to us in this book, Hope for Ukraine. Yeah, I, um, so my, you know, because of our son, Zhenya, we, have been following, you know, activities in Ukraine really since 2014. Like one of the questions I would ask people when I was over there, Carmen was, you know, where were you when the, when the war broke out in February, 2022? And they were quick to, I stopped asking the question because mm-hmm. to, to a Ukrainian, they say, well, our war has been going on for eight years. You know, it started with the Donbass civil war in the southeastern part of the country, and also with the annexation of Crimea, which were two very provocative moves uh, by Russia to kind of flex their muscles and and go after territory that they deemed was rightfully theirs. Of course, Ukraine has been an independent country, a sovereign nation since 1991, and Crimea has been part of Ukraine uh, since 1955. So, um, yeah, so we followed the Civil War, and for eight years, we've been closely watching things there. And then when this, you know, obviously the most devastating invasion of February of 2022 happened, I was very frustrated. I felt helpless. Lord, I don't know what to do. My son, who's 21, you know, he wants to go, you know, jump on a plane and, and you know, and, and go fight. And I'm trying to talk him out of that. And um, I can understand his passion. But, you know, we managed to talk him out of that. He's, he's almost licensed now to finish uh, his weld, a welding program. And I said, look, when the war's over, my promise is to you is I will go with you to Ukraine and your services as a welder will be 
um, highly needed mm -hmm. in the reconstruction of the country. So, so the reason for the book was really personal. And then I just sensed, okay, Lord, what, what's my role in this? And he downloaded this idea of, I want you to go and interview uh, refugees, people on the ground, people fighting on the front lines, war chaplains, orphanage workers, tell their stories and get out of the way as much as possible. I want to give voice to this conflict and put a face to what we're seeing on the news and, um, you know, flesh and bone stories that can then be read and, and open windows for people who, here in the U.S. and other places around the world where it's kind of hard, you know, to wrap our arms around something this horrific and enormous. We're talking with Kyle Duncan. He's an author based out of uh, San Diego. We're talking about um, his brand new book, Stories of Grit and Grace. This is Hope for Ukraine. We're going to um, have Kyle actually tell us some of these stories in just a moment. So stay tuned. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Joining us today uh, is um, is Kyle Duncan. We are talking about Ukraine. Specifically, we're talking about his new book, Hope for Ukraine. They are stories of grit and grace um, from the very front lines of what's happening in the war there. Kyle, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, True Stories of Hope for Ukraine is the first chapter. Um, the chapter on the vest uh, is incredible. Um, and then you head into, at the end of the book, a spiritual perspective on war, a conversation about loving our enemies, and then this do and go um, conversation. Um, I'd love for you to just tell us one of these stories, and I'll let you choose which one to tell. But um, thank you in advance for taking us into the front lines. Of course. It's my pleasure, Carmen, and honor. Um, I met a couple in Poland, refugees, both Ukrainian citizens, uh, through mutual friends. I have Ukrainian friends, you know, that we've, we've, we have a, we have a quote unquote family there since the adoption and met a lot of people and in the church and, and, and outside the church as well, just Ukrainians. And so, um, I had a dinner with this couple, the most amazing meal I've had in a long time. Uh, and they were, uh, a middle-class couple working at an English language school, both teachers there living a comfortable, wonderful life in Kiev in a nice apartment with a car, two and a half year old daughter uh, who uh, on the mo so the morning of the uh, 24th of February, like many people in Kiev, they decided we got to get out of town. Um, as we all viewed, you know, in shock and horror, the Russian, you know, onslaught coming down, thinking, oh, they're just going to roll right into Kiev and take the capital. Of course, that didn't happen. But um, at the time, you know, these people are thinking, we got to get out of here. We have to flee. So a lot, of, a lot of people did. And so with their young daughter, two and a half, they thought, well, we'll go to the, the, the husband, Bogdan, said, we'll go to my dad's place, my parents. They live in this little village, a sleepy little village, 40 miles outside Kiev. No one cares about it. It's not a major target. We'll be safe there. So they go. 
the next day they realized, I don't know if this was the best idea, unbeknownst to them. And as we knew watching the news, the Ukrainian army was making a push using highways um, outside the city of Ukraine to try to encircle the city. And, and their main column of troops went smack dab through the village where they are now uh, staying. It's a village called Motsin. And you'll recognize it is it is near other villages, one of which is called Erpine and the other one mm. is called Bucha. Those are famous villages where atrocities occurred and hundreds of civilians were summar- summarily executed and dumped in the woods. We all have seen the horrible footage of those things and they're still discovering bodies up to today. Horrific. So here they are. The father is in a, in a, in a wheelchair, um, you know, and, and here's Bogdan and his wife wondering, what are we going to do? Tanks start rolling into the city. They get news that their, their friends and neighbors four doors down have been killed by an artillery shell that's gone through their living room. At night, they can go to their second story and peek out the window and see houses on fire. The next day, Bogdan realizes we have to get out of here. And so they pray. And you can't leave at night now, Carmen, because there is a Ukrainian curfew. And it's basically shoot first, ask questions later. So Ukrainians are off the streets. Of course, that's that's wise, because then anyone moving around is going to be an enemy. So they can't leave at night. They have to leave during the day, which, you know, using our common logic is like, well, aren't you kind of a sitting duck during the middle of the day? Yes, that's the problem. But on 2.30, on an afternoon in early March, Bogdan feels this very intense presence of the Lord and, and the, his voice saying, you need to leave now. And he tries to argue like, Lord, that's, that's, you know, that's not going to work. You know, there's not a safe right out, it's way out. It's broad daylight. Go now. So he obeys. He tells his wife. She's like, that sounds insane, but I'll trust you. They pile everybody in the car. They manage to go down, you know, streets that are strewn with bodies, unfortunately, with with tanks or covering their daughter's eyes as they try to get out of Dodge. Um, Fast forward, miraculously, they, they get to safety. And leading up to me sitting a month later with them over a meal uh, safe in an in a apartment in, uh, outside of Krakow, Poland. Well, fast forward a couple more weeks, I get an email from the wife from Roxolana. And it says, Kyle, not shortly after we had our dinner, I got uh, information from people in the village. And that day that we left at 2.30, an hour and a half later at 4 p.m., about 16 civilians were killed, innocent men, women, and children trying to escape down the exact road that we that God led us down. If we hadn't left at the literal moment when God told us to leave now, I would not be writing you this email. That's a, um, a taste of what you'll get in Hope for Ukraine, stories of grit and grace from the front lines of war. Um, Kyle Duncan is here. He was there. Um, He stood for hours in line um, with others, with thousands of people crossing um, from Ukraine into Poland. Um, He brings us stories that um, it's like a wartime dispatch. Maybe I will describe it that way. Um, Written from the perspective of a person who deeply loves the country where his son was born. 
Um, the proceeds, uh, the author's proceeds from the sale of the book go to support Ukrainian refugees. And so I think that's important to know as well. Kyle, when you think about uh, the people you've met and you think about how life has changed um, from the time that you were there until now, um, you know, what are you what are you hearing from folks on the ground now? Obviously, it's it continues to be a very desperate and dire situation. Um, you know, it's difficult, Carmen, because just the nature of our news cycle, we're not seeing as much about the mm-hmm. war in, in the news. Um, but unfortunately, it's not going away. You know, um, the you know, there's they're just bad actors here who who are not going to stop until they get what they want and or are stopped. Um, and so, the number one thing I think, you know, obviously that we can do is to pray. Uh, intercession is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal, and and all of us can do that, you know. Um, but it's um, I'm I'm speaking to people still on the ground, still in the war torn cities, um, places like Mariupol, Chernihiv, Kharkiv, um, even Kiev, still getting bombed, um, and and it is um, it is a desperate situation, and and basically to a man and woman, what I'm told in the midst of these conversations is please tell America not to forget about us because um, the Kremlin, uh, it, it won't stop here. If, if Ukraine falls, it, it, it does threaten a democracy across all of Western Europe and beyond. And so there is a lot at stake here, as you mentioned at the beginning, that this is an unusual conflict. It's not to downplay what's happening in places like Syria that has incredible suffering or Yemen or Mali, or other places across the globe, Afghanistan, where people are suffering terrible things. The difference here is there's a global perspective and a, and a global repercussion with, with this war, and it's involving superpowers. And um, it is the most deadly conflict, as you mentioned, in eight decades since the Nazis uh, invaded this part of the world um, in the 19, early, late 30s and early 40s. Um, one of the things that you're going to love about the book um, is how the conversation is framed, um, claiming, laying claim to God's redemptive plan for Ukraine and for her people, um, and also calling forth the church, um, not only to her knees, but to her feet, um, mm-hmm. to to acts of boldness. Um, so let me commend to you today, Hope for Ukraine, stories of grit and grace from the front lines of war. Uh, Kyle Duncan, what a privilege to talk with you um, today about the book, about the project. We look forward to ongoing um, conversations with you in the future. I feel like this is uh, just the beginning of the of the conversation. Mm. Thank you, Carmen. It's been an honor. And uh, God bless you and your listeners for prayers and, and time, treasure and talents for Ukraine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's um, let's lift the people of Ukraine up right now. Father, we, we thank you for Kyle. We thank you for the way that you have uniquely um, drawn his family together by your grace and by your providence. And that um, that means the people of Ukraine and Ukraine itself is knit into their hearts. And so thank you, Father, for um, sending Kyle to gather these stories from precious brothers and sisters half a world away. Um, have our heart beat in unison with yours as um, as they suffer and as you find unique ways to provide. And so, Father, thank you for um, the gift of the conversation, the gift of the relationship, um, the gift of of the way in which the proceeds of this book are going to bless people. And, Father, how you're going to use it to provoke good works 
um, among the body of Christ worldwide. We ask your grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. It's time for the Friday Farm Report here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is the Faith Radio Network. Thank you for all of you who have chimed in on um, whether or not I should cheer for the Vikings or for the Packers this coming Sunday. And for those of you who think I should be cheering, watching some other game, doing something else. So, yeah, I've appreciated all the input. I will say that the cheese recipes that you all have been um, including on the text line do have me leaning in the direction of the pack. So I don't know if the Vikings fans have any, um, you know, tasty recipes to offer, but um, you have definitely missed out on that part of um, the text conversation. I, um, yeah, I'm just saying it does seem as if the pack with the cheese is leading right now in the um, in the contest. The Friday Farm Report. Um, Well, I have one very muddy dog this morning. So she, Millie, the Molinator, has decided that it is time to dig up whatever it is that is living under our garden. And um, I don't really know what that is. It's probably moles. But um, this morning in particular, she has been on the hunt. So um, I will be dealing with a very, very muddy dog today. Uh, but the good news is we have mud, which means we've had rain. And for that, I am very grateful. Weather prayers today. I mean, you know, I like to do this two ways, right? We're going to pray whether it rains or not. And we're going to thank God whether or not the weather, um, you know, is what we might prefer in any given moment. But the particular weather prayers today are prayers of protection for those in the paths of some really significant storms um, across the United States uh, this weekend, and um, and particularly Southern California and the people of Mexico, who are going to um, encounter a, a very unusual rare hurricane this time of year in that particular place. So um, we've got ongoing uh, heat wave and all kinds of things related to that in California and the Western U.S. Some of you are living in places that need rain, others in places that have too much rain, Certainly ongoing prayers for the people of Pakistan, um, a third of the country underwater and um, and the rain still still falling. So um, absolutely prayers for people this weekend to be safe, um, even as we enjoy the fellowship of one another um, in all kinds of, uh, of games that are happening across our country. Um, and pray with us for final preparations for our fall fundraiser. Travel mercies, technology, all the things that are necessary for us to share the stories of good news and the way God is using this this ministry to impact the lives of people here and around the world. Maybe you could share your listener story with us. You give us a call at 877-933-2484. Push the number two. Share uh, the story of how Faith Radio has made a difference in your life, and we could use that to inspire others to uh, to give and support this listener-supported radio in the year ahead. Hey, um, have a blessed weekend. We'll see you right back here bright and early Monday morning. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.